Good morning. I don't know what to say uh, this morning because I'm just overwhelmed uh, because so many of you prayed for me when I was in North Korea, remember me. And this is why that I'm able to stand here before you to be able to say thank you for your prayer. Thank you that you've been standing with me, remembering me when I was in North Korea. I was born in South Korea, but my family moved to the United States uh, when I was 16. That was a long time ago. And, uh, ended up, and then ended up in, you know, finishing high school, college. I went to uh, University of Oregon. I know yesterday there was a football games, and <laughs> guess what, I, you know, which, which team I was, you know, you know, going like this. I think we, we won, right? <laughs> but um, I ended up in seminary, went to Kona, Hawaii, did a DTS, Disciples Training School, went to China uh, as outreach. And uh, when I was, uh, we entered into the town called Dandong, which is right next to North Korea. We met with some of the North Korean people for the first time. First person was about 30, uh, about 30 years old. She became you know, a Christian about three weeks ago. So, um, so we asked her, can you give us a prayer request? We, we want to pray for you. And this is what she said. No, don't pray for me. I got Jesus. And it was almost like, what else do I need? Please pray for the people in North Korea. They need to know who Jesus too, who, who Jesus is too. And another man was about, 40, uh, about 50 years old. He was very sick and he was tired um, and from all the work that he's been doing. He came out from North Korea to look for a job. And he's been Christian for about uh, four weeks now. And, um, and so uh, he asked him, how do you feel now? Now you are Christian. And this is what he said. I did not have hope to live my life. Now I found hope. And he said, Jesus is hope. We sing a song, Jesus is living hope today. And then this, these two people changed my life completely. Later on, I was able to go back to, to China, uh, become a missionary to China. I ended up working in China with many among uh, uh, Chinese Christians. Uh, and the Lord opened door for me to go to North Korea for the first time in 2010. And then and the Lord reminded me that people in North Korea are forgotten often, and they're not uh, remembers. But for us, people from outside, to enter into the land, to claim the land for Jesus, uh, pray for them, and worship in behalf of North Korean people, and love the people as Christ loved us. So Lord opened the door from 2011 to 2012, I was able to uh, mobilize 300 people from 17 different countries, went into North Korea over 23 different trips, and just go claim the land for Jesus, pray and worship and love the people. This is what we've done. Every time was like a, almost like a little commander units going in, 10 people, 15 people going in, preparing our heart, going and pray and come out and go back and going back and forth. I led 18 trips out of 23. At the end, I was arrested. I was arrested because I made a mistake by carrying a portable computer hard drive into the countries. This contained Western media documentary film about North Korea. It's about kids picking up the garbage and then, you know, picking up the uh, noodle from dirt floor. And, you know, that's, this kind of scene was included in this, you know, footage. And they were offended by it, and they didn't like the, you know, that, the fact that I brought in to such a material into the country. I said, there's a pure mistake. I didn't mean to bring any of this, uh, but they still took me into custody. 
I was taken into a remote place. I was questioned day and night from probably 8 o'clock in the morning until midnight every day. Um, and third day, they made me stand still in the middle room. So I had to stand like this. He said, do not move. If, you move you know, they, if I move a little bit, they would come in and yell at me. So they have a camera. Uh, they're watching me. Uh, so I was to stand. I probably had to stand for hours. Um, so I was standing for two, three, four hours. But something amazing thing happened. My back is not hurting. My legs not hurting. I'm not tired. I'm not sleepy. I'm not hungry. And I said, well, I think I can do this for several weeks if I need to. But inside, I was worried, panicking. I was blaming myself. It's not about me, but how about others are brought in? Are they going to be okay? Because of my mistake, are they going to be detained? Uh, how about also on this hard drive contain all my mission support letter, all those uh, pictures and photos and all kinds of stuff in there. So pretty much... Many people were in danger because of my careless mistake that I made that morning. So now I'm panicking, and, um, and now I don't know what to do. And I ask God, where are you, God? Because God was with me, protecting me. Six years of mission work in China and North Korea. But now what happened now? I brought in 300 people, but everybody was you know, safe. Everybody left. It was my last trip in that, in that season of 2012, I was arrested. And suddenly, my hand was getting warm, my left hand. I opened my palm, something sparkling like gold dust. I had no idea what was happening, and the worm started to spread into my left arm. And then I heard the Lord spoke to me. Kenneth, Holy Spirit is holding your hand. Do not fear, I am with you. And I said, cast all your anxieties upon me because I care for you. And, and he said this, everything changed. This is only the third day of my imprisonment. And then Lord said, if I'm here, if Jesus is here, with, if God is with me, who can be against me? And the warriors were gone. And I, was, and I, I felt like the presence of God in the room. Peace of God came over. I was so joyful. It's almost, I don't know if it's doctors here in this room. I felt like I was giving you know, one of those, the pill or the shot, and then it's like, I'm totally calm. And then uh, uh, it was so joyful. I was starting to rejoicing. You know, I felt like the Lord spoke to me and said, you know, I, I am with you. I'll never leave you, never forsake you. There's something to be accomplished through this. So be strong and courageous. They saw me. You know, rejoicing. I was kind of smiling, smiling at the camera. And then they saw me smiling, and they just, I can tell, I, I could hear them talking. Wait a minute, it's not working. This guy's smiling. And then they came into the room and said, just go to bed. You don't have to stand anymore. So I lay down, tears dripping down. I said, I thought God has abandoned me and left me, but he's with me. And there's something to be accomplished. I have no idea what that meant. And the next day, and I realized that everybody I brought in and were able to leave the country safely. I said, I'm ready to tell the truth. I'm a missionary. I'm a pastor. I brought people here to pray and worship. This is what I've done. And they, they were like shocked in a way. And they say, who sent you? And I say, God. Who's above you? I say, God. And I say, no, who else is there out there? And I said, no, nobody's. They're going back and forth and say, you tried to overthrow our governments. And I say, what do you mean I was trying to overthrow the governments? How? 
through prayer and worship. And I say, excuse me, you don't believe in God. Why do you believe in prayer? You have more faith than most Christians do. Because many Christians around the world, they say, we don't pray enough because they don't think that North Korea will be a free country once again. North Korea will receive the revival once again. And then apparently I brought 300 intercessors from 17 different countries, over 23 different trips within one year, going in and just pray and worship, claim the land. And they say, you try to overthrow the governments. I trained one North Korean lady, well, she's about 50 years old, she came to her DTS, Disciple Training School in China, and she was trained, and later on she took a mission school, Bible school, and she said, I'm ready to go back to North Korea, start an orphanage. She said, there are many kids are on the street. They're literally dying. No one is looking after them. I want to bring them in, and then with the care of the loving father, and then care for them. So she was sent back to North Korea. She was caught because of me, I was worried sick that what would happen to her. Turned out, she came back. She had to turn herself in. She was pardoned by the government. She was okay. But because of me, she was questioned again. Later on, she became witness against me and my trial. She was able to go home without any being harmed, just like God promised me. But at the time, I had no idea what's going to happen to her. So I say, this lady wanted to come back and start an orphanage. Why is that a crime against the state? And this is what they said. If one person becomes Christian, come back and start an orphanage, 10 children will become Christian. 10 will become 100. 100 will become 10,000 some days. When that happens, do you think they're going to be a threat to us or not? And I said, maybe. See, what you did was you injected us with a Christian virus. This virus will spread. People will be infected. And people will lose heart of our, our dear leader, our governments. And this country will become a God's country. When he said this, I felt like it was Lord spoke to me himself. Yes, one person can transform the nation. Prayer can transform the nation of North Korea. And they say, you are the worst American criminal we ever apprehended since Korean War. Because not only you try to do mission work by yourself, you, you brought people to pray, you train hundreds of people to be a missionary to North Korea, and then therefore we must punish you. And so uh, you will get death penalty or life in prison. So you better send those who send you. And I said, there's no one else. And then they found out, worked with you to do mission in YWAM. And I was sent by Kona, Hawaii. The founder of the YWAM, his name is Lauren Cunningham. I said, we know you, above you is Lauren Cunningham. Above Lauren Cunningham is Obama. So <laughs> Obama sent, told Lauren to tell you to terrorize our country. Therefore, you must be CIA. So I became a CIA agent. You know, I didn't know. You know, missionary can be uh, yeah, equal to be a CIA agent, I guess. So therefore, and they did a thorough investigation for four months. After that, they finally said, "We know you're just missionaries." But even missionary is most dangerous to us because if we leave someone like you, you if, we, if we, religions come in, they infect our people, people will lose heart, and they will turn to God, then it'll, this will become a God's country. So if you want to see North Korean people to be liberated and see their faith, then the best thing to do is send missionary out there. Find a way for them to know the Lord. So they sent me to... Um, Pyongyang, and I was, um, you know, pretty much the charge with the crime against the state, uh, facing death penalty. I was going through a four-month of uh, trial, you know, pre-trial period. I went to the trial, 
And then uh, I got 15 years of hard labor sentence. First American was sent to America, the North Korea prison. And I got there, it was for only for foreigners only. I was the only prisoner there the whole time. There were about 30 to 40 guards and staff working for the prison. So guess what? I was the first American, so they, I got a lot of attention from many, many people. So I have to work from 8 o'clock in the morning until 6 o'clock in the evening, every day, 10 hours a day, six days a week. Um, many, uh, many hard labor, like farming work to carrying rock. You know, in, in, night, in uh, summertime, it's about 95 degrees Celsius, or 100 degrees. I have to work outside, you know, digging the ground, you know, carrying rock. In the wintertime, um, minus like maybe uh, minus 15, 20 in uh, Celsius, uh, in the, yeah, Celsius. So therefore, it's extremely cold. We still have to work outside. So the suffering was real. I, get, I got back to the room in the, uh, at nighttime. I could just couldn't move. My back is hurting. Leg is hurting. I uh, could hardly keep my eye open. 10 o'clock, and, and they say, OK, time to sleep. This is when I can lay down, actually. I can't just pass out in my bed or anything. When I lay down, they have to keep the light on like this. So it's really difficult to sleep. There's no mosquito net or the screen on the window. So many bugs come in. I think I kill average about 200 bucks every night before I can go to sleep. Otherwise, I get bitten or whatever. But still, you know, I'm laying down. I'm so tired. Bugs crawling over. I just couldn't move. So I just thought, hopefully, it will get out of my face, you know? So this is almost like scene from the movie, you know, it's a horror movie. I was thinking that, wait a minute, this, this is happening, real life. And, not, and now when I'm sleeping, my hand was numb. It was so hurting, so I had to get up every hour, shook my hand like this for 20 minutes. And I got, went back to bed, and every hour I got up. So it was difficult to endure. When I say difficult, I mean just it is very plain word. It was so hard. So one day I asked the Lord, how long, Lord, would this suffering last? The Lord said, Kenneth, even suffering is beneficial for you. I didn't like his answer. Third day he said, I'll be a rescuer. You're fine. I'm with you. But I ended up in the prison in seven months later. I'm suffering. The Lord said, even suffering is good for you. But he said, but my grace is sufficient for you. I am still with you. When you are weak, I am strong. Know that I am your God. So I learned to fix my eye upon the Lord through the suffering. I learned to trust the God. So every morning I have to get up and I have to put on the full armor of God. See, you know, I know by, you know, the fact that God is living God. I know the fact that when God promised, He always fulfills promises. So I know it's a matter of time, but I'll be going home for sure. Because on the third day, He assured me that He's with me. He's going to take me home. But you know what the hardest part was? Waitings. Not knowing when His promise will be fulfilled. So I have to depend upon the God, fix my eye upon the Lord by reading, asking God, praying, and worshiping. Lord, help me to live one day at a time. Because I cannot think about next day. Because I felt like literally I was going to die that day. And on Sunday, they made me sit in the chair. And this is supposed to be resting day. But instead, they say, but you need to watch TV. 
Sounds good, right? But there's only one channel. I have to watch, I have to watch from 9 a.m. to 10 p.m., 13 hours TV day. It's all about great leaders. Kim Il-sung, Kim Jong-il, Kim il So it's like, it's probably easier for me to go out and work than watch TV. So I'm watching it, and I'm just, uh, just sitting there. I start daydreaming about food because I was hungry. North Korea prison, they give you like a small, little, bit, little bit of rice and soup and a couple of vegetables. So I get hungry all the time. I'm actually hungry every day, every hour. So I'm sitting there daydreaming, oh, I want some food. I was craving a Hawaiian chocolate with a macadamia nut. That would be the best, you know, I was thinking about that. Two is Kit Kat. Three is beef jerky from, you know, Costco, <laughs> Kirkland, you know. I was thinking about American beef jerky. So fourth, you know, protein bar. The fifth, oh, mixed nut. But where can I get Hawaiian chocolate in North Korea prison? So I just smile. I didn't pray. Three months later, I was sent to the hospital because of malnutrition. I lost 27 kilos, 50 pounds in three months. So you can tell. So if you, so anybody have any weight problem, you know, I know that North Korea is a good place to go, you know. So I can guarantee you will lose weight. <laughs> so I got to the hospital, you know, just laying down in the hospital, you know, I got injected IV for two months. I was recovering. My mom, who lives in Linwood, came to see me. It's the first time any family member of the American were able to see the prisoner. Can you imagine mom visiting son who's in North Korea prison, in hospital for malnutrition, laying in on bed? So it was an emotional, very emotional uh, reunion. And and the second day she came to see me, we were talking. Oh, she said, oh, I brought you something. She opened her bag. First thing she took out was Hawaiian chocolate with a macadamia <laughs> nut. Second thing was Kit Kat. Third thing was beef jerky from Costco. Fourth thing was protein bar. Fifth thing was mixed nut. I didn't pray. I didn't call my mom. I didn't write to her. I didn't tell anybody. I even forgot the fact that I thought about these things. But Lord remembered it's almost like I was thinking in the, I'm sitting in the, in the chair and then I would take a picture of me and I say, take, you know, like, a, you know, put in a picture and five months later, I'm in the hospital and then here you are, here, Kenneth. It's almost like, so he wasn't about the chocolate. The Lord made a promise that he will never leave me, never forsake me. He said, yeah, I am with you. I care for you. Cast all your anxieties upon me because I love you. If God cares about me this much, and if Jesus is worth living my life for, even worth going to prison in North Korea for, even if I cannot go home, even if I'm up staying there, that's more than enough. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever, living God in North Korea, living God in Seattle. Um, yesterday, I, 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 I uh, came back from South Korea, landed in the airport. I got out, and I was trying, I, was, I picked up my rental car. 
I drove out. I saw blue sky. This is not supposed to be blue nowadays. <laughs> October, I think, is changing season. The blue sky, clean air, I, and I see trees. And I say, wow, this is good. This is refreshing. And I felt like, you know, welcoming. Almost like even, the, even you know, nature is welcoming me coming back home. Because I've been home for four years now. So I just reminded me that when I was there in prison, because I was there in North Korea still four, month, four years ago, I was in, still in prison at the time. So here I am, you know, receiving something like this. And I realized that God loves me. That's more than enough. You know, I was there for one year, and then um, uh, North, the U.S. government sent, tried to send a, a special envoy to secure my release. Uh, first time, it was, a, you know, it was canceled. Uh, about a week later, President Obama decided to send somebody from White House to try to get me home. But it, he came to see me for five minutes, very famous person from White House, and he said, I am sorry, Kenneth. And he left. The first time that ever happened, U.S. Special Envoy came to get me home, get, get a prisoner back and fail mission. He said, please make it a secret because he doesn't want the world to know that that mission failed. And then a week later, I got a letter from my mom and said, you need a faith like a Daniel's three friend. Yes, our God is able to save us, but even he does not, even if. You know that kind of faith. I knew I wasn't going home anytime soon. So there's one question I've been asked, wanting to ask God for a long time. That was, Lord, do you want me to stay here? Is this your will for me to be here? I could not ask the question, even though I wanted to ask the question, because I did not want him to answer the questions. Because I want to go home. Think about the family waiting. Think about all the people praying for me. I must go home. But ponder and ponder for three weeks after the letter. And I finally nailed down on my hospital bed. And I pray, Lord, you know my heart. I want to go home, but not my will, but your will be done. I give up my right to go home. Use me, Lord. This was probably one of the most difficult prayers I ever prayed in my life. But the Lord spoke back to me. Kenneth, you love me. Do you love me more? When he said that, I realized that you love me more than your wife, your children, your ministry, everything you've been living for in your life. I know deep down I did not love him as much, but I finally say yes, trembling in my voice. The Lord said, then feed my sheep, take care of my lamb. You are not here as a prisoner. You are here as my son representing my kingdom. You are the shepherd. You are the missionary I have sent you for. There are about 30 or 40 people around me every day. I only saw them as oppressors. They were because every day I pray, save me, O Lord. And they were there to you know, make me war, screaming, yelling, and all kinds of stuff. And then the Lord said, these are the lost sheep that I have sent you for. And then, Lord, use me, Lord. After that, Lord started giving, showing me his heart for the lost, heart for the people in North Korea. And what he sees is that father waiting for the son to come home, prodigal son to come home, and feed them, love them. And then, Lord, I don't know how. Show me, Lord. Teach me the way. 
Lord opening the door. And I normally they call me prisoner number 103. 103, and I say yes. But nobody's around. One by one they come to me and say, Pastor, can I talk to you? They're talking about their marriage problem, parenting problem, issues about home and all those things. I'm studying to do you know, marriage counseling, parenting counseling, and premarital counseling for kids. That, I mean, the, uh, the girl that was about to get married. And, and then realized I become their shepherd and become their friend. And one young man asked me, so, um, you know, pastor, if I believe in God like you, what do I get? What's the benefit? And the other man said, if I believe in God like you, what, um, you know, what do I have to pay to your church? So is that a membership fee, you know, financial obligation? I say, yes, there's offerings. But more importantly, you need to give yourself to God. I was in North Korea for two whole years, and one young man said, so you said God is real, then how come you're still here? No one stayed this long before. Nobody went to the hospital three times. How do you explain that if God listened to your prayer, how come you're still here? I say, maybe because God has a different plan. That plan may include you without me. How are you going to hear about God or anything from outside? He said, it's true. I never heard anything like this before in my whole life. You know, when I was being questioned in the first month, one of the investigators asked me, so I heard about God before, never heard about Jesus before. So tell me, where does Jesus live? In Korea or China? <laughs> I thought he was kidding. He was born in Pyongyang, you know, capital city. And uh, he was about 30-some years old, went to college in Pyongyang. He worked for National Security Bureau, NSA, you know, on a, you know kind of that level. And this guy said, I never heard the name Jesus before. How can it be? This 21st century, it's not an Amazon somewhere, Africa somewhere. This prosperous East Asia. Do you know that 100 years ago, Pyongyang was known to be Jerusalem, the Far East? There are more Christians living in Pyongyang 100 years ago than any other city in Asia. The biggest church was in Pyongyang in Asia. Do you know that great revival took place? It all spread in the rest of the Korea and China. And this all started from Pyongyang. And then in Pyongyang, 3 million people lived there, 25 million people living in North Korea. Name of Jesus, Jesus disappears. Someone took the name out. This is not right. No one deserves something like this. In 1960s, somebody, when they're de developing this system called Juche ideology, self-reliance, they replaced Juche and took out the name Jesus out. Because you know why? Because Jesus is the only way and truth in life. No one can enter the kingdom of God. No one can come to the Father except through Him. So for enemy decided to take, over, take out of the name Jesus, enslave everybody. So in North Korea, there's no access to name Jesus. So when I got there, People before, before me, no one heard about Jesus. After, if I go home, no one, there's no way for them to know. I'm there. I'm a missionary and a pastor, and a professional, you know, in a way. They're living among them, but I cannot preach the gospel. Because if I say, you know, I talk about Jesus, I say, would you like to become a Christian? Or, you know, would you pray with me? 
And that person, if someone else finds out, will be taken away. Parents, children, three generations will be wiped out. That's the penalty of becoming a Christian in North Korea. How can I preach the gospel to them? Lord reminded me of this illustration. There's one a missionary from the U.S. went to India working with a remote tribe in the villages. And now he was there for three years, five years, seven years, ten years. But the local dialect was so difficult to learn. And he just couldn't learn the language enough to preach the gospel there. So after 10 years, church said, please come home. Come home. They sent other missionaries. This young missionary was very gifted in linguistics. He went there. He learned the language in three years. He was saying, I'm confident to preach the gospel now. So he got everybody together in the village. He preached the gospel for the first time. And he said, who wants to believe in Jesus? Then everybody in the village raised their hand. So he said, oh, okay, I made a mistake. Maybe they didn't understand what I was trying to say. So he preached the gospel one more time. Okay, only people want to receive Jesus. Raise your hand. Everybody raised their hand again. So he got frustrated. He's like, do you really know who Jesus is? And the chief of the village raised his hand. He said, Jesus was with us for 10 years. Lord reminded me this illustration when I was in North Korea prison. He said, do not preach the gospel. Live out the gospel. You may be the only Jesus they will ever get to see in their lifetime. Be a little Jesus to them. But this is prison, you know. But people are, you know, mean. They don't just, you know, it's not like every morning I get up and they say, Sir, could I give you a cup of tea and a cup of coffee? And hey, they don't do those things, right? They yell and screaming, oh, me being mean. Stand up, get up, you know. You know, those things are, you know, standard, everyday suffering things that they were putting on me so that they would know that I'm supposed to suffer. So every morning I had to put on the full armor. Every morning I said, help me, Lord, so I can live the life demonstrating who you are. It was a very difficult process. So whenever I was going to work, I have to ask, what would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? When I'm, I'm working on the field one day in the middle of the winter, it was so cold. I remember, you know, there one, you know, there's, I got a, I got a um, message from an official that came to see me and said, in two days, U.S. envoy is coming, so get ready to go home. And I said, finally, I'm free, free, you know. And I told everybody goodbye. Everybody, you know, said, thank you very much, everybody. I even sang a song in Korean, farewell song, you know. Uh, I was just saying, like, you know, like, bye, you know, see you again next time. And they said, no, don't sing such a song. You're making us sad. You, know, you should stay here longer with us. We like having you here. You should talk to us some more. Why do you want to go home so early? You've only been here two years. <laughs> and I said, sooner I go home, sooner I come back. Don't worry, I'll be back. Hopefully not as a prisoner next time. So I said goodbye. I said, I'm going home. And guess what? In two days, no one arrived. Third day, fourth day, fifth day, sixth day, seventh day, the you know, prosecutor came to see me. Oh, by the way, that, the visit that I talked about last week was canceled. Ah, so devastated. I realized then the giving a right to go home is not something you do one time. You have to do it every day. Choosing to love God more is not something you do one time. You have to do it every day. So every night I'm sitting in the chair, you know, uh, the power failures. I have to sit in the dark for two hours. So I'm sitting and the only thing I could do was to sing to the Lord. As I'm singing, I love you, Lord. And there's none like you. And I was just singing all kinds of songs. 
And then one time I'm singing a song like, whether I live in the shack or palace, if Jesus is with me, this is where heaven is. I'm singing and change the lyrics sometimes, whether I'm living in the prison or hospital, if Jesus is with me, this is where heaven is. And they're hearing the song because even I sing softly, everyone in prison can hear the singing of American prisoner. And then they were like, this doesn't make sense. I said, we are the God. You are the prisoner. How come you look happier than us? Where does your joy come from? Where does your hope come from? It doesn't make sense. You're you suffering here. You have to be a 13 more years. How can you sing a song? Who is this Jesus? What do you have that I don't have? It doesn't make any sense. I said, it comes from, where does it come from? I said, it comes from God. When I left the prison, warden of the prison shook my hand. He just said one word. See you again. I saw tears in his eyes. And I knew God was with me. God has done something amazing things there. November 3rd, 2014 was two-year anniversary when I was in North Korea. Two days before, the prosecutor came to see me and said, Oh, by the way, oh, you've been here for two years. Congratulations. But you have to be here 13 more years. Uh, no one's coming for you. You are forgotten. Your government abandoned you. So, okay, so we'll celebrate your 60th birthday in 13 years later. Bye. He left. You know, like, but he said this every Saturday for a whole year for 52 weeks. So you know what I nicknamed him? Mr. Disappointment. <laughs> Here you go again. You're disappointing, you know. But when you get disappointed, doesn't matter you put a full armor of God, I get disappointed. If you get disappointed, I lose hope. I lose hope, then I become desperate, then I become desperate, I become depressed. I don't want, then, then I'm not singing the, the love song to Jesus anymore. Instead, I'm just singing that in, and I'm just singing all by myself, all by myself. And I'm singing like, are you lonesome tonight? I'm singing all those, those songs. It's like, I become moody, I become like desperate. So I have to choose whether to listen to God or listen to Him. So I have to read the book, read the Bible, and Lord, continue reminding me, I am with you. There's many verses they have given me. 450 people around the world who, never, who, ne who I did not know send letters to me. Kenneth, you are not forgotten. We're praying for you. You're standing with you, remembering you. You'll be coming home. 177,000 people signed the petition to President Obama. Please bring Kenneth Bay home. There was a campaign was going on. I say, I cannot... Listen to Mr. Disappointments. So I have to, whenever I get confused or depressed, I'm looking at the mirror and say, remember who you are. You are a missionary. You are here for the reason. My name is Kenneth Bay. I'm a missionary. I said this probably hundreds of times during the time I was in North Korea. Mondays, November 3rd, I woke up. This is the Bible I brought into North Korea, NIV Virgin. Lord said, open your Bible, Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 20. I opened the Bible realize that he said, I will bring you home. That was a verse. Um, that was Monday. Friday, U.S. envoys arrived. Saturday, I came home. I flew the, the, the U.S. government play, plane, say, United States of America, big plane, to, came to get me home. I landed in this Tacoma, Seattle, this area at the at the U.S. Uh, Air Force Base here. So I told people, Lord spoke to me Monday, he would bring me home. They were surprised. They said, we left Washington, D.C. White House, Monday, November 3rd. Lord spoke to me, 
send U.S. government plane over. Director of National Intelligence at the time was James Clapper. He's a cabinet level person, came to get me home. 20 more people came to get me home. So I told everybody, now President Obama know, certainly know my name, but more importantly, Heavenly Father knows my name. And Heavenly Father knows your name. He knows what you're going through, what suffering you're enduring. And just like he said, I am with you. Listen to his word. He said, I will never leave you, never forsake you. Cast all your anxieties upon him. If it's, he can take care of someone who is in North Korea prison, he can definitely can take care of you. The Lord reminded me when I came back, and say, people around the world remembered you. They have not forgotten you. Millions pray for you. I have not forgotten you while you're in North Korea. And he said, I have not forgotten the people of North Korea. 25 million people have no access to Jesus. He said, go home and tell the world what I've done for you. Tell them as people pray. And God heard their prayer. And God helped. God, God is the one to rescue me and restore, rebuild my life. Go home and tell them as we, we pray for the people in North Korea. God will restore and rescue, rebuild the life people, 25 million people in North Korea as well. So that's the journey God has placed me to, uh, in, in four years ago. I had a two years of resting and restoration time. And the God said, go to North, South Korea. I had no idea what's going to happen in South Korea. Nobody's supporting me. I have no contact there. I just went to South Korea trusting that God will do something. There's one year time that God brought things together. Last year we studied something called Nehemiah Global Initiative. That's the organization that now I'm helping North Korean refugees to be rescued, to restore, rebuild their life. We have now rescued refugee community center called Nehemiah Community Center in South Korea. And so that we can get them to come to South Korea and then help them to restore their life. But realize that it was God's plan all along. I'm going around. I've been to 13 different nations, speaking in many places. And every church, every place that I go, someone in the, in the audience come to me and say, I'm the one of them to pray for you, Kenneth. Like remote places, like Cambodia, in Venezuela, in Dominica, in different places, the people say, I'm the one of them. You know, um, so when I came back, Lord reminded me, I've seen their tears. I've heard their cry. My people's eyes are blind. They cannot see. But I will open their eyes. They will see my glory once again. I will open their ear. They hear my voice once again. I will open their mouth. They will praise my names. Only countries in the whole earth is like this. So if, if they matter to God, they shouldn't matter to us. Many of you are Koreans, or maybe you are not Korean. doesn't really, really matter. But we need to stand with them. But you have already done that for me, many of you, especially in the Seattle area. You know, like, uh, uh, you know, I, when, I, uh, when I came back, CNN and you know, BBC, everybody covered live that I was coming home. You know, you know, after 735 days, I was coming home. Everybody's, you know, cheering. And then I saw everybody, especially in Syria, 
When I have to arrive, they recognize, recognize me. So I got out on the street the next day. I went to Starbucks for the first time after I don't know how many years. And as people came up to me, welcome home, Kenneth. And people on the, on the driving, they're honking the horn and say, hey, welcome back. And I was so grateful and yet embarrassed at the same time. You know, everybody knew me. On the third day, I went to, uh, you know, the mall at the Linwood Mall. And uh, so I, have, I put uh, like sunglasses on and head on. I don't want people to recognize me anymore because everybody recognized me. And then I was there. And then there's one black African-American lady. So she's really big, you know. She saw me walking in. She started screaming and yelling my name, <laughs> Kenneth. And she's running toward me. I was so scared. It's like, I don't know this person. She just gave me a big hug and said, Kenneth, I pray for you for every single day for two years. Why? I'm not that important. I'm just a guy who was in North Korea for two years. But God placed a heart. It wasn't just a prayer, you know that? Many people signed the petition. Many wrote a letter to senators and congressmen and governors and the state departments. And many rallied against uh, rallies to try to get me home. Prayer visual was went up. And people around the world just so amazed what people have done for me. And I was rescued by the uh, U.S. government. And the Lord reminded me, I still need to rescue 25 million people in North Korea. You know them, because of starvation, many left North Korea. Three million die in from 94 to 2002. It's just great famine took place. And the many were become street children, many were died. So many left the country. You know what happened when they come out of North Korea? You know, they ended up being sold as a bribe to rural villages. M many girls, or young as 16, 17, or go in a place, in a, some place called, so that there's an auctioning house. They're a slave. They were slave in North Korea. They crossed the river, and then Chinese, uh, Chinese find them, and they put them in place and say, do you want to go back to North Korea to die there, or do you want to be married to this person? Against their will, they were sold as a fraction of a couple thousand dollars sometime. And then they were uh, met to marry somebody 60 or 70 years old. Illegal marriage, not illegal marriage, sexual slave. And then they get caught. They get taken back. The kids were left behind. They become orphaned. This is what's happening last 15 years. And the Lord is giving me a mic. I say, who will remember them? Who will rescue them? So now what I do is I'm going around the world. Please pray for them. Be an intercessory warrior for them. Please rescue North Korean refugees. Every church around the world, if we can rescue one North Korean person every year, we can rescue everybody there. There is about, um, um, we were able to rescue 50 North Korean people that, that who need help. But you know what? Do you know how many people we have turned them down? Over 200. We say, I'm sorry. They're on the, they just couldn't take everybody in. It costs about $2,500 to rescue one person from China to South Korea. And I'm just saying that is, um, we are next year, we are creating, we're just having this, um, this drive. The rescue campaign will be launched next year. Well, you know, we are talking there, let's, you know, we should rescue at least 100. But some people say, how about 1,000? 
How about 10,000? When 10,000 people are rescued, then I think that's the time that North Korea will collapse and everybody will be free. So we are doing this uh, campaign uh, next year. I'm now speaking at uh, Congress. I spoke at Congress and Senate, and I went to, uh, went to the UN and spoke there. I was just the one missionary. But now I'm going around, become a voice for voiceless. I'm going around and uh, tell, asking people to remember, asking people to, res to rescue, ask people to re help to restore their life when they make it to South Korea, having this uh, community center we have. I'm going to show you the video, and I'm going to pray together. But I'm going to ask, I'm going to invite you to just pray for people in North Korea, because every single prayer counts. Every single prayer. So someday we will see North Korean people face to face, whether here or Korea, and you can tell them yourself, I remembered you. I prayed for you. I stood with you. Many of you did that, even this morning, that I'm the one signed the petition. I'm the one pray for you when you are in North Korea. I just want to say thank you. Let's see the video, and we're going to pray together. churches there and the people are saying yes we want to be a Nehemiah prayer warrior and the people are signing out to pray now 3,000 people around the world 60 nations are praying for North Korea now we want the number to grow up to um, 1 million prayer warriors I'm asking the people around the world now that as I came home 25 million uh, people living in North Korea and we, we want to pray for them and remember them and stand with them so that they will be able to rescue uh, to be able to restore their life and to be able to rebuild their life this is Brazil about thousand people of Brazil are now signed up to pray for people in North Korea we started NGI Brazil NGI USA India, Hong Kong, and Korea now. The number is about 3,000 now for 60 different countries. You can join the movement, be a prayer warrior for North Korea. We also send rice and the Bible and the, you know, letter that says, we remember you, we pray for you, hang in there. We put it on the waterway, water away in uh, one of the islands uh, in South Korea. With current is right, only once or twice a month we can send this, and then six hours later, current will take the bottle to North Korea shore, and the people will get receive rice and Bible there. We are doing this. We also rescue North Korean refugees. 
And this is something, please pray for us. So we can, next year, we have a, a 1,000 rescue uh, campaign will be happening next year. We also help the North Korean orphans who are living in, South, uh, in China. We have orphanages in China. We are caring for orphans who are left behind. And now we have special programs there in China. We also have a Nehemiah Mission uh, Training Academy for the people who are ready to say, when doors are open, we will go to North Korea to be a missionary for a couple of years. And they say, yes, come to South Korea. We'll train you. We'll take you to North Korea when doors open. Let's get the troops that are ready, get ready to move into North Korea when doors open. So we have a people from many different uh, part of the world that came and then now uh, we are um, training mission candidates. Also we have English school, you can be a volunteer for English camp. We have something called Nehemiah uh, English Unification Camp. So 120 people from over nine different countries came. Uh, many North Korean refugee kids who were born in China and North Korea were here for them to uh, be loved, restored, to know that they are not just there. We pray for one Korea reunification. And you can do this next year. We are going to have a 10-day camp, uh, late July, August, beginning of August. Some of you can come and uh, or bring your youth group, bring your college group. Come on out and then volunteer. We had many people from Hong Kong that came and said, we want to be part of this. Turn the light back on. Um, there is a prayer petition campaign. Uh, if you haven't been, um, if, if this is something you can write and turn it, turn it in before you leave, or you can go to prayfornk.orgs. Prayfornk.orgs. I don't know if you can show the website, actually, a website. I don't know if you can get, so if you can show that. It will show that uh, how many people uh, are praying. We have uh, many uh, people that have signed up in Brazil, have not been updated. So we have about 60 uh, countries and 3,000 people have assigned to do that. So please be a prayer warrior for the Lord for North Korea. Every prayer count, every, every, uh, just, you can start your prayer gathering in your church for North Korea. You can do it weekly, monthly. But get together and just pray, and this will make difference. And uh, those of you say, you know what, I want to be the uh, financial support warrior for North Korea. You can either rescue or risk to the, be part of the restoration work. So what we can do monthly, you can do one time. There's information available for you, so you can pick it up on the way out. I want to uh, just want to remind you that this is a miracle that I am standing in front of you. I met with somebody from White House last year. She you know what she told me? For you to stand in front of me, this is a miracle. We didn't think that we can bring you home. Last minute, 30 minutes before they got on the plane, they told them, you can take Kenneth Bay home. And so after I got home, second person, next person was detained. His name is Otto Wombier, 21-year-old. Received 15 years hard labor sentence, just like me. Went to the same prison. He was tortured there. He came back. He died in six days. I met with his parents in UN, UN and different places. You know, you know, this is something that happened to this young man. 
But I came home unharmed. Not only unharmed, I'm going around the world telling people that we need to free 25 million people in North Korea. First, pray. Remember that. Second, do something about this. And the third, get involved so that people, their, their human rights, especially freedom of faith, will not go in vain. So we are, we are now signing, we are now asked, we're writing a letter to President Trump. So when you're meeting with the president, you're meeting with Kim Jong-un next time, not only you know, talk about nuclear issues, talk about freedom of faith issues. So the Kim Jong-un say, we have no problem having the Bible in North Korea, no problem having churches around you know, cities. We will not condemn Christianities. If we can do that, do you know what's going to happen there? People will be able to worship God freely, just like we do here. And this is something, mission God has placed me in my heart. Now I'm living in South Korea. You know, people are asking me, how long are you staying in South Korea? You're from Seattle, aren't you? I say, until the reunifications. Until after that, I will move to Pyongyang. But many people are waiting for me there. So some days, that we will see them rejoicing together. So could you stand with me? And we just pray together. Can we just pray in unison? And just pray that God will remember. God will rescue, restore, rebuild the life of people in North Korea. And let this be the pride out. That your commitment to the Lord. And the Nehemiah from the Bible. Even though he had everything going well. He was working in the palace for the king. But he still has compassion for his people. He didn't have to care, but he cared. He cried out to God. God heard his cry. His prayer moved God's heart. God moved the heart of the king of Babylon. War was restored. Worship was restored. Israel was restored. And the same way, people around the world cry out to God and move the God's heart, move the heart of the President Obama and Kim Jong-un, and I was able to come home. Can we do the same for people in North Korea? Let's just pray. Can we all pray together in unison? And just remember that God is still in charge. His time is coming home soon. Let's just cry out to God together. Heavenly Father, this morning we are praying to use our prayer, Lord. We are crying out to you, Lord. For the 25 million people need to be remembered, need to be rescued, need to be restored, need to be rebuilt, Lord, so that they can return to you, they can come back in repentance, cry out to you, Lord, use our voices, Lord, so that we can be the voice for the voiceless. Lord, help us to seek your kingdom, seek our, seek your face, seek your face, Lord, as we are praying for the brothers and sisters in North Korea, Lord. So, Hyungjae Church, new life our community here will not be the church only pray for the people in this church in the, in the city but pray for the nation pray for the people in Korea so someday the north and south will be reunited someday we will all celebrate together we can go tell them brothers and sisters we pray for you we stand with you Lord oh Lord make that speed the day Lord Lord, help us so that to see what you see, Lord. Fill us with your heart so we can know your heart for the nation of people in North Korea, Lord. We thought that our problem is big, but there are bigger problems, bigger worries, but we want to trust you. 
We are fix our eye upon you. We are love you. We want to obey you even time of suffering. So Lord, use our prayer to remember the people in North Korea so that they can be rescued, restored, and their life to be rebuilt. Lord, use us, Lord. Use us, Lord. And so that we want to see a miracle will take place in Korea very soon. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.